Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on that social media at No Clutch Nate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I am Crystal Beth, and you can find me all over social media at The Crystal Beth, and on my podcast, The Fifth Element, and Unlimited Lives Radio, both available on iTunes. All righty. Well, thank you for joining us again, Crystal. Of course. It's my absolute pleasure. <laughs> Can never get enough of you guys. Oh, thanks. <laughs> That's sweet. Um, today, we are talking about minute number 73 of Man of Steel. Uh, the minute starts with General Swanwick being pretty upset with Superman. And uh, then the minute ends with uh, Kal-El and Lois Lane holding hands. Mm. <laughs> pretty sweet. Mm. <laughs> Um, General Swanwick, uh, he's kind of had enough questioning. He wants, he wants all the answers he can get. Um, and he asks, uh, Superman, you know, basically why does he only reveal his identity to Lois? Why, you know, why can't he just give them what they want to know? Um, I mean, the answer is kind of obvious, right? I mean, he trusts her and doesn't trust anyone else. Um, because as we heard in last week's, um, minutes, you know he um he has trouble trusting humanity just as much as he knows zod can't be trusted so he's kind of he's still feeling very questionable about the human race itself right and they're not exactly starting it out very great they're like cool um we're gonna come and meet you for the first time with an entire army a legion of soldiers uh we're gonna just you know bring all the guns just in case on our first greetings and then we're gonna (laughs) handcuff you with the Tiniest handcuffs known to man, but uh, don't get mad, please. It's all oh, just in safety. Case. Yeah, <laughs> just in case. Um, so is this the the beginning of the interrogation that we're seeing, or have Lois and Superman been talking for some odd minutes? You were saying earlier that General Swanwick is like, I've had enough questioning. I want answers. <laughs> Do you think like they just got in the room and he's like, Yep, nope, don't care who this guy is. Don't care about your questions, Lois. Let's get down to it. I feel like they've been there for a little bit. Yeah? Yeah, not super long, not like hours, but enough time that they both have kind of more relaxed into themselves. Or that was always the impression that I got, was that they were together for maybe 15 minutes and it was all small talk and then she's kind of getting to the bigger questions now. And then General Swanwick's like, no, no, okay, this is too much. It's time (laughs) for us to do a thing. The world, the world's about to end. He's like, this alien just made fun of my nerd friend over here for his wintergreen lifesavers. So <laughs> I got to step in. Um, but yeah. My so nerd I guess, friend. <laughs> he's got to protect him. Only, only he can make fun of uh, Emil Hamilton. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so this brings us to probably one of the most badass scenes or clips. I don't know, like just segments of Superman. Uh, basically, Kal-El says... All right, let's put our cards on the table here. And stands up, and with just the slightest movement of his arms, just breaks the cuffs that he's been wearing for the past minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I love this whole sequence, this whole scene. It's just, this is what I want Superman to be. This is what I want Superman to be when he's, I don't want to go so far as to say in custody, but, I mean, obviously that's what's happening. But this is just, like, someone's trying to understand the character let me show just a little bit of strength and it's like whoa it's all you it's, need uh, it's literally yeah, all you need for mm-hmm. every single one of them to poop in their pants 
they even were the guys in the back freaking yeah. out yep they were yeah. like oh wait no he is super strong we gotta go <laughs> they all look at the tranquilizers that they're holding and it's like yeah no this isn't enough what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah it's a uh, i guess you could see it as kind of a metaphor, especially leading up to the the quote that that we're about to get here, is like, um, like the world's attempt to try to control Superman here is seen in like this handcuff that he's been, you know, in, and then he just like without really even thinking about it, just breaks him. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't he doesn't have to try. There's like he doesn't have to flex any muscles to do it. It just that ting, and it just breaks, and it's like it's so satisfying, you know, like. Just seeing that happen and and hearing it and it's like, it's like damn, that's cool, like, that's my my ten dollar ticket back in two thousand thirteen just paid for that yeah that little just segment that. Yeah. yep uh, we're good here I can leave the theater <laughs> now, <laughs> um, I like the quote that he says right here I think it's a pretty important one he said he walks up to Swanwick and he says you know like you're scared of me because you can't control me. Uh, you don't, and you never will. But that doesn't mean I'm your enemy. And I think it's that's a pretty important statement, uh, not only for Superman to tell the planet Earth in this film, but I think it's it's pretty important for like the audiences who are watching this film. I think it's it's pretty important to understand that um, to try and control Superman is to take away that which makes him great, which is his freedom, uh, his ability to um invoke choice and chance upon the world i think it's pretty important because krypton died because there was no freedom there was no creativity everything was you do this you're born to do that you're programmed for this and and that's why it 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 failed that's why krypton is no longer a thing um so he is the power of choice and that it's something we have to respect and the consequences that um, he like that you know the consequences that he brings about from his actions is may seem bad but it's also the beauty of it and mm-hmm. us trying to control Superman uh, shouldn't be the way that that we want Superman to be Superman is not something we should ever try to control and just because he's different than what we want him to do or just because we want him to act different doesn't mean that makes him our enemy like as an audience so I don't know about it. Yeah, right. no, you're it's, right. It's almost like talking to kids where when you're a child, your parents are the enemy because they keep telling you to do something different. And you're like, no, I want to do this. And the kids end up being a better person because you let them be who they want to be mm-hmm. under some guidelines. And the, his yeah. guidelines were his dad teaching him how to be a good human. But it's good to give people the choice of what they want to be. I would probably mm-hmm. have been grown to be like, Oh, God. I don't even know if I would have been given a job. They probably would have been like, oh, get rid of this egg. <laughs> it's not going to exactly. do anything. <laughs> um, with what you just said, Crystal, it's like how you're, you know, you're teaching a kid. It's almost, if, if you think real hard about it, when Clark was growing up under the, the tutelage of Jonathan Kent, mm-hmm. um, you know, he always told him to suppress everything, suppress his powers, suppress, you know, all your feelings of wanting to do good and all this stuff. So maybe this is that's also like a main reason why things go so awry later on in the film, um, because he wasn't able to make 
those choices as a kid, but now he's making those choices, good or bad, as an adult and, you know, at almost full strength. So right. the calamity could have been maybe a little bit yeah. less if he was able to to mess up Kent Farm a little bit more. <laughs> I think that, like, the truth is, like, he knows he has these powers. Whether or not he does them for good or evil, that's what Jonathan Kent's worried about. And he doesn't want... He didn't want Clark to practice his powers. He wanted him to want to do good. And so I think that's what's most important is like, so like here we see like the government trying to control Superman's actions and um, like maybe we as people like want him to do the right thing, but we try to control him to make him do the right thing versus like making him want to do the right thing. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. He wants, so like just because we don't control him, we think, oh, he's just going to like turn evil on us and like do everything bad. But like, no, because that's what was so important about him growing up was that he learns to want to do the right thing. And that's what's ultimately important going on, moving forward, not just in this film, but in the rest of them is like always want to do the right thing. Uh, It doesn't matter if you have the ability to do it or not. As long as you always want to do it, that's what's ultimately important. So I agree. You can raise my children if you'd like. <laughs> I don't right. have any, but uh, you can take them. I uh, I sit with my cats, Superman, <laughs> and I give them the same imprint. I sit down with my cats, and I'm like, "Listen, guys, you don't have to <laughs> knock the glass off the coffee table. You you can do better than that." And then they look at you and knock the glass off the coffee table. Yeah, and then they do that. So and you're like, I love you. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so what I thought was really cool. Okay, so, I mean, there's not much to take away from what's next. So after he says, um, but that doesn't mean I'm your enemy, you know, Swanwick returns saying, uh, who is Zod? And, you know, Clark says, um, that's what I'm afraid of. Um, at this point in the film, we know Zod's the enemy. He's always been labeled as the enemy. They've never, I think they kind of, the film kind of suffers because they never give you the chance to think that, oh, maybe this Kryptonian is an ally of Superman. And then they turn the tables on you and go, actually, he's a bad guy, which uh-huh. I think if they had done it that way, it would have worked out really well. But it's like, yeah, you know, he's the, you know, he's the bad guy of the film. Uh, it's kind of spoiled already. Um, what was, I, I'm sorry, go no, you, I was I was going to say there was a story in towards the end of the new 52 Superman run. Um, I can't remember what the arc was called, but there was this character named Ulysses and Ulysses essentially was basically a Kryptonian. I mean, he he went toe to toe at Superman. He could do a lot of his feats of strength and, and do that. And in the beginning of the arc you were led to believe that Ulysses was saving people much like how Superman was and like he was genuinely a good guy that was looking out for the little guy. And then towards the end of the arc, you you know, Ulysses turns on Superman and saying, you're doing things all wrong, yada, yada, yada. And I feel like that story would have worked very well in this movie, but Zod would have been the Ulysses not so much as like learning how to handle his powers and like wanting to, to save people, but if Zod came out of the Black Zero and tried to, you know, show the better side, 
uh, mm. I don't know if the better side. You know what well, I mean? Well, that that makes sense, and I think this is another flaw in comic book movies or not another flaw but a flaw in a lot of them is that they always feel like they need to have this crazy backstory at the beginning but they forget that people like to grow with their characters yeah. so if the characters in the movie and they it starts with them confused about their powers then we're confused about their powers and then as they learn we learn I like that. I don't need a whole backstory on a planet that is no longer going to be a part of the movie. If they had just started from Clark Kent in Kansas, starting his own thing, doing his own stuff, slowly discovering his powers, and then finding whatever they think that he could find, whether it's uh, uh, someone contacts him or he stumbles upon a beeping sound, I don't know, that summons him to where he needs to be, and we learn about his past with him, then you're given the option to have Zod as a character that... Oh, look, someone from my planet. Oh, wait, no. Oh, God. It's the worst choice of them all. Yeah. But the, I think that, because they did this again, and I referenced it at some another podcast, or I will in later days, I, <laughs> I'll say uh, something about Age of Apocalypse, where you could take the entire th- first 30 minutes out of that movie, and it's a better movie. Mm-hmm. But who am I? I'm no one. Yeah, well, I think it's it's like what well, we do see at the end, like the way Zod thinks about saving the planet in his mind is a good thing. Like he thinks he's doing the right thing. Well, yeah, right. But, and that's it the was, best that's, kind of villain. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I, I mean, half of it was programmed into him. The other half was almost out of hatred, too. Because this one is striving and his is not. No, because... Cal is the product of heresy, and that's everything that Zod uh, was opposing on Krypton. You know, so it's mm-hmm. like, why would you praise? Uh, why would you praise this little baby who was just born out of you know heresy? Out, out of heresy, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he goes. To, you know, he he's a refugee on this on this rogue plant rogue planet on this alien planet, and now people want to praise him and that's almost like i mean i'm sure zod is just as confused as, as the Superman villain in is, the next film does the same thing in the mm-hmm. next mm-hmm. that yeah. luther yeah 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 same so, mentality yeah absolutely so i mean they're very comparable um but yeah it's uh you know i don't know zod's cool i like zod yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> don't <laughs> blame you kind of had to end that on a weirdo <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, so switching from this scene to the next one, um, you see Kal-El staring at a mirror and you see his face on one side and so, and then you see his reflection on the other side. Um, and if you set up the rule of thirds here, like you see his face on the left third going vertically and then his face on the right third. And then it switches to a wide open shot of him and Lois positioned in the center mm-hmm. third. And I thought that was interesting how you could have subjects in the two outside thirds and then switch scenes and it's in the center. So I thought that was a really neat. I like it. It, lo- it, it works really well. And um, then it gets really bright as opposed to yeah. really cold and dark. 
from the last scene. This cut makes me laugh more than any other cut in the movie because of all the exact reasons you just said. (laughs) Where it goes from just this dark thing. And I mean, I imagine if it had gone back to like to the next scene where they're standing in the desert and they were like touching in any way or a little bit further apart or not as centered, I would it would feel less jarring to me. But the fact that they're standing like super close together, it looks almost like Clark's kind of at a tilt to her. She looks like she's kind of tilted towards him just very slightly. And then it takes forever for one of them to speak. It it, it just makes me like, yeah, because again, one of my things that I'll, one of my complaints about this movie is how long it is and how they mm-hmm. can edit out some of the pauses. And right here is one of the ones where I'm like, cut to the action. Show me what's going on. It is beautiful. Yeah. It is beautiful. It looks like it looks like they said the wrong thing and then they just got dropped off in, in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> but like she had to walk out to him and he had to walk out there. So what was the conversation of them getting out there? How long yeah. did they did he walk out there first and then turn and face her and she stopped and was like, Oh god, he's looking at me. What is oh god. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that awkward first kiss stance. Uh I don't know. I think. You gotta stand six inches apart. Yeah, they had the ruler. Six inches for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, what did Lois just be like? Hey, let me walk you to your car. Like, hey, let me walk you to this alien ship that we're supposed to meet. Mm-hmm. Why is she out there? Why do they let her out there? And why That's is she out question. there in stilettos? Yeah. <laughs> Are those stilettos? They're stilettos. I couldn't see the brand. Yes. It's, is there a shape to them? There's very. It's very hard to walk in grainy sand with heels on and she has the spikiest heel it almost looks like her she's like floating in the air above the the sand it's crazy i'm impressed you're right it's a metaphor (laughs) kidding i don't know what it means what, what you, you don't know what a metaphor it would no. be? Yeah, no. Oh, I don't know what a metaphor is. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's a it's a metaphor for the fact that they should have given her boots to wear if she was going to be walking exactly. in the desert. <laughs> exactly. Somebody could have had boots to be like, hey, I mean, stylish boots. Not even that. Just somewhere she could have asked. Like, yeah. Hey, I've been in these heels since six a.m. The FBI picked me up, dragged me all the way out here. Can I get some comfy shoes? Do you have a duty-free shop that has maybe, like, I don't know, disposable flats that girls wear to clubs when they're walking home? Like, even those would be fine. Like, those those stores have to exist. Yeah. They're, they, they definitely have little shops all over army bases, but then again, they could have been somewhere secretive, I, like Area yeah. 51. It looks a lot like Area 51-esque. Yes. Yeah. So it's almost fitting that an alien ship is going to land there. It's like they like watched old movies and was like, oh, okay, well, we got to go to Area 51. That's the welcoming committee for Earth. The people who made the film or like the people no. in Northcom? No, not in even that. No, Zod and Feor, when they like send the ship down oh. there, they're like, hey, we got to go down to this specific <laughs> spot. And maybe Swanwick was like uh, radio up to the thing, be like, hey, we got to go to Nevada. Uh, meet us there. There's a big landing strip. You can't miss it. Like, why would we want to go to Nevada? Look, we're yeah. all in Ohio right now. Like, what's going on? We have the best base here, best cleanest bathrooms. They're like, nope, nope. They asked for Nevada. They saw a bunch of weird movies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so in this scene, uh, when they do finally start talking, um, Clark starts with, thank you for believing in me. 
Um, Lois, oh, well, he said, thank you. She says, what for? And he says, for believing in me. She says, it didn't make much of a difference in the end. And he says, it did to me. It did to me. Yeah, which I really enjoy. I really like that because yeah. um, it didn't matter. I mean, so this would have come out earlier had she published her story, but she didn't because instead of thinking of him as a story and as a successful, I don't know, accomplishment, she learned that he's really just a person who's trying to live a normal life, do the right thing, take care of his mother, uh, and find out why he's been thrown onto this planet. And I, I really like that she she did see him as a human being, or I guess as a being, not a human, yeah. instead of a story. And uh, that really mattered to him, you know. Uh, it, at the end of it all, like, it did have the same outcome, but, you know, to him, that mattered more is the fact that she respected him. Everybody just wants to be accepted. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I want that. <laughs> yeah. It, that makes me interested. Um, you guys said that he is, or, or that uh, Lois is standing with Kal-El. What makes you feel like this is Kal-El and not Clark Kent she's talking to right now? If the, if you think that there's a difference, you 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 wanna, you wanna go? Uh, yeah. Um, so there's, especially with Henry Cavill's Superman, there's three distinctive characters. Mm-hmm. There is the Cal L, there is the Superman, and there is the Clark Kent. Um, at this moment, I see more Cal L because the scene before they were discussing the symbol and things on 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 krypton and you know it, it's not an s it's hope and yada 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 that's what he's getting from jor-el and that's when he really start to em- started to embody the cal l guys mm-hmm. um if you want to take it back 20 years i'll give it to you that this is lois and clark because lois uncovered that this you know super strength being actually is a person that lives on a farm in smallville and she went to that farm and got to know him on a personal level. When they were in the graveyard, yes, that was Lois and Clark. Yes. Now when he's in the suit and after this whole discussion that they had, he's under the guise of Cal L. He hasn't been deemed Superman. Self, yeah. His actual yeah, absolutely. self. Absolutely. Yeah. See, I I think of it as like even when they meet in the graveyard, I feel like he's he's Cal L and I feel like being Kal-El is not a mask or anything. I feel like that's who he is. Right. In the last scene with the interrogation and, like, the cockiness that we saw and, like, the overconfidence that we saw uh, in him, that is Superman. That is the... Pers- I mean, I'll, I'll is, even... Yeah. That's I'll, the persona of Superman. I'll argue that he's not even that because he hasn't given that name yet. No, um, well, oh, yeah, but I'm saying... Well, I'm saying, like, he's playing a character. That's not him. Once we get to this point, it, or this scene right here, it's a totally different person that that was who that was in that room with her. Yeah. Yes. Because here he's he's open. He's mm-hmm. very uh, vulnerable. I it's guess. gone back to that acceptance thing that he was just thanking her for, where it's like, mm-hmm. thank you, thank thank you for accepting me of being different. Now the whole world knows that I'm an alien. Yeah. And you don't see me as such. And so that's, like, that's Cal. I think that's really important because like. Um, as of right now, the only people that have, have accepted him as a as a being and like a person uh, have been only his parents. Um, Were they? I mean, I'm 
I'll, I'll go as far as to say that his parents see him as Clark just because they raised him. Well, yeah. Um, but I think he's Kal-El because, and I kind of like, uh, how do you say, I correlated it with people who, um, like slaves back in U.S. history when they were free and they got to retrace their African roots and then they like learned about their heritage and their culture and then they came back and many people used to change their names and whatnot like this is like Kal-El found out where he comes from his people his real name and so when he comes back to Smallville he's like I am Kal-El this is my culture mm-hmm. this is who I am mm-hmm. uh, so from then on he becomes Kal-El and I know some people like argued like oh he's never been Kal-El because he never grew up on the planet but it's like if you learned your heritage and your culture then you want to be that Again, like you want right. to yeah. savor that. And if like you make the you. choice to do that, if it's your choice to be to, I mean, it, it goes along the same lines as transgender too, which is not, mm-hmm. it's not exactly the same, but you've been John for 15 years, but you've always felt different inside because you know you're different. And then you finally switch over to Jane and you're who you are. Even if the people who remember you as John, it's rude when they call you John. If your name is Jane now, you're like, yes, that's who I was. But I finally was able to find who I was and feel right in my body because I know where I come from. Now I'm Cal. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a very easy, it's an easy thing to hear and understand, but in being put in that situation, it's hard to wrap your mind around for some people. Mm-hmm. And we also have to remember that he doesn't feel like this planet is his yet. You mm-hmm. know, like he still just feels like an outsider, an alien um, until we get to, you know, this moment right here, um, which really proves to him that there are going to be people besides his parents that are going to be very accepting of him um, and and kind of let him believe that humans can be trusted uh, and they can still be good. um, And that, you know, despite Earth's similarities to Krypton, um, eventually he can help change them away from the same fate as Krypton because people like Lois Lane and his parents, and later on in the next film, we'll see some other people, um, they start to believe him mm-hmm. and they start to trust him and, and they get let themselves be inspired by him. So I think um, this right here is him starting to see the potential that he has as a, as a person of influence. Yeah. So that's how, you know, I'll stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> but did you guys have anything else for this minute? Um... They do hold hands. I forgot to they, mention that. They, they do hold, hold hands. hands. They hold and hands, and it looks like his sleeve is cutting into his wrist. Exactly. It's like such a hard material. I wonder if he's just sweating bullets under that suit. It's got to be all sloshing around by his ankles by now. Oh, gross. <laughs> it's got to be. Yeah. You're all thinking it. I'm thinking it. I was. Well, I think about it the second I see costumes like this. I'm like, where is the breathy mesh? We need some nice breathable mesh on a suit if we're going to... I'd be like, I can't. This is too... I'm not comfortable. It's like a rubber. It's like a... It's like pleather almost looking. It looks um, almost like... uh, I think I once said like it looks like a Star Wars kind of uniform. Yeah. Where it's like... It's got like the ridges that you would see on like a Rebel pilot outfit. Mm -hmm. Or like... 
for some reason i'm thinking of like panda baba for some reason yeah he has, like, oh, his, yeah. his arm like it kind of had like those ridges on it or something it just kind of reminds me of that poe dameron's jacket it yeah. has like ridges on it. Yeah. Um, but you don't see it on the rest of it. It's just on his sleeves. Just so. on his sleeve. So is that just a close-up shot or is only his forearm made out of that material? And then... I wonder what his ankles are doing. Is it just like I one connected piece? Is, are his boots connected to the to the pants? Are they? Is it two separate pieces? I think it's all one piece. Mm, the boots probably come off. The, those forearm gauntlet things probably come off. They have to. They, how would you get yeah yeah because they feel like with something that tight it really the material does not look like it's stretchy i can't imagine that you would be able to comfortably get your foot and your heel because i don't know if you guys have put on a tight boot before but they oh, yeah. need to have a zipper on them for you to get it all the way up otherwise it wouldn't be skin tight and that suit oh man oh man is that deliciously skin tight <laughs> telling us i think we're all in agreement <laughs> there um but yeah it, it honestly just that sleeve part looks like the hard rubber michael keaton batman suit and it's just in my mind it's just so uncomfortable mm-hmm. yeah i got yeah pretty uncomfortable i think um what is it like i feel like the material looks like something like if you left out in the sun it would get all like crackly you know and melt not like, well, I don't know about Mel, but it, like, Mel. it's all sun-dried looking. Oh. You know what yeah. yeah, I know what yeah, you're talking like, about. starts getting a little white and crackly. Yeah. Like an, like an, I don't know. Like my steering wheel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a steering wheel. <laughs> or like exactly. glasses that are starting to get old. The plastic kind of yeah, or, up a little bit. Yeah. You, know, you leave a pool toy in the pool for too long. It sinks to the bottom. You bring it up, you know, two months later and it's all cracked and well if you really liked it you wouldn't leave it in the pool (laughs) (laughs) Ah, okay dad (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's uh that's all i got for this one is there anything you guys had i think that's it it's just uh it's a nice awkward hand hand touch yep is it an awkward hand touch it's a little i thought it was pretty nice it's almost like like a first hand touch like oh it's happening like you're expecting the first kiss but they only get to touch hands well, I think I think you're right there. I think because like he's he's like, oh my god, what? You asking me for your hand? What, what do I do? Like it means more. A girl likes me. What is this? I've never even hugged a girl before. <laughs> man, anytime oh my there's god. a a good hand holding session. Oh man, I remember when I first started dating my boyfriend. Uh, we went to watch some preseason football, and he was holding my hand at the the bar, and I was like, oh, this is the best handhold i've ever had in my life and then i was like wait are there such thing as a best handhold but it was just like so exciting that it was the best (laughs) yeah no you're right you're right there's some there's some good handholdings when uh you get into relationships yeah you're right about that (laughs) (laughs) um we need to start in what is it what is it called internet movie handholding database (laughs) yes then we can rank them rank all the handholding Hopefully, we'll be comparable to that, you know, rent rent yeah. your rent your tank here website. <laughs> I, you said, I thought you were going to say something about rent. Rent the movie? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. The play? There's some good hand holding there, right? I don't know. I've, Titanic. I've, there's I a good one. Yeah, they got some good hands. <laughs> they got <laughs> some. <laughs> yeah, that movie. Have you ever seen Titanic? No. That movie's got oh, some pretty good hands in it. The opening of Jurassic Park. <laughs> no, wait. Yeah. The opening of Jurassic Park? Yeah, where the guy dies. 
Yeah, but his arm is like that's hand holding. Is right? that hand? No, his arm's through. Arm holding. Is, he's he's got it in like a headlock, but it's, it's like just a his clasp. arm. Yeah. Yeah. What about Doctor Sadler holding Samuel Jackson's ripped off? That's arm. also that arm holding. Um, I'll 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 go with the hand holding on that one. Just I feel like uh, hand holding would be if she was like, oh ah, well let me just take this arm with me and grabbed it by the hand and started dragging it through the compound. That's like handled. Take, yeah, <laughs> takes it and like kind of does like a like a like a cool handshake. You know, they clasp the fingers, but she's oh like my pressing the fingers down around it. She pulls it back and fist bumps it. Like, she's uh, like all right, we're cool. Woody with Buzz's arm. Exactly. Oh my god, that <laughs> was oh geez, I, did, I don't. That's a hey, man. That was a good reference. Oh, I love that. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I guess that's it, guys. How is yeah, no one doing yeah. Toy Story Minute yet? I think there is. I think there is a Toy Story Minute. Not on my list, and I have Not- all of them. <laughs> and she's the list lady. Um, list I've- lady, that's your superhero name. That's me. Yeah. Oh, it's just as sad as I am. Yep, perfect. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dang, low blows. Um, oh, I, th- I think there is a Toy Story minute. Um, maybe you should yell now. at them, Crystal. Yeah, I'm going to find them. It's going to be one of those things where it's like a, a Rule 34, and I hate using that reference, <laughs> but it's going to be one of those things where it's like, if there's a movie, there's a minutes by minutes podcast of it. Oh, Eventually, we're, we're, we're going to get there. there. Yeah, we're getting there. So. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, Crystal Beth, where can we find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I am the Crystal Beth on Twitter and Instagram. And you can listen to my podcast, The Fifth Element, and also Unlimited Lives Radio on iTunes. Cool. Alrighty, guys. We're going to go ahead and wrap up this minute. If you love what you hear, don't forget to leave us a great review on iTunes. We love reading those out over the podcast. And uh, if you're looking for some other cool podcasts, there are Stellar Dynamics, the ultimate encyclopedic compendium of all things Rush for you Rush fans out there. Uh, And then there's also Honey Hold My Beer, which is just a podcast where two gals share craft beers and some of the oddest stories I've ever heard. And we'll catch you guys tomorrow here on DC Cinematic Minute.